I'll be reading our sermon text before Tim comes to preach. It is from 2 Kings and chapter 7. You'll find it there in your pew Bibles on page 362. We do hope that you will follow along either in a pew Bible or in uh, your own Bible. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, which I don't think it'll vary too wildly from your New International Version pew Bibles. Um, but let's, let's pray before, before we read. Lord, we want to be people of your word. We know one of the distinctive features of your character that discriminates uh, against every other supposed God who is raised up is that you are a God of your word. Your word is life to us. Your word is truth. Your word uh, it leads us to life eternal and good lives on this earth. We can trust your word and we know that your word showed up on our scene supremely in the person of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. So we ask Lord, as, as we read this, your word in Holy Scripture, this text that Tim will come to preach and teach from, we pray that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Open our minds and our hearts to the possibilities, Lord, that you have something specific and personal for us to do, somewhere specific and personal for us to go. And you will go with us every step of the way, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, and that, regardless of what circumstances surround us, we know that you are with us. And so it is to you that we pray, it is to you that we turn, it is you that we trust, and it is from you that we want to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Kings chapter 7, the whole chapter, page 362 of your P Bibles. But Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord Yahweh, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, tomorrow, about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And I looked it up, a seah is, is about 12 pounds or 5.5 um, um, kilograms uh, of, of flour in this case. And two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, if the Lord Yahweh himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he, that is Elisha, said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord Adonai had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, 
Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there, nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out, and it was told within the king's household. And the king rose in the night and said to his servants, I will tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking, when they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants said, Let some men take five of the remaining horses, seeing that those who are left there, left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Let us send and see. So they took two horsemen, and the king sent them after the army of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. So they went after them as far as the Jordan, and behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a seah of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord Yahweh. Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have, a charge, of the, have charge of the gate. And the people trampled him in the gate, so that he died, as the man of God had said, when the king came down to him. For when the man of God had said to the king, two seahs of barley shall be sold for a shekel, and a seah of fine flour for a shekel, about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria, the captain had answered the man of God, if the Lord Yahweh himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, our Father, as Tim comes, we pray that you would come and speak through him to us. That the word you have given him would be for us and we would receive it by faith and in hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray your blessing upon him. Give him the words to speak, the heart to speak in a way that we can hear and uh, by faith in you and hope in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. All right. Let's see. Okay, day of good news. Great. want to thank you again. Thank you, Mark, for the invitation to be here today. Thank you all for being here and uh, just looking forward to seeing what God's going to do through our time together here. Just a little bit of a self-introduction here. Brendan and I, as as Mark has said, are with uh, OMF, 
uh, which is the former China Inland Mission founded by Hudson Taylor in 1865. Um, and we are also, I'm, I'm also, have two other roles. I'm also the, um, one of the, uh, the board members for Mission Fest Manitoba. Does anybody know when Mission Fest is going to be this year? First weekend of February, that, that says it. February 3rd to 5th, 89 days from now. And um, yeah, I, we do hope to see all of you there. We thank uh, Bethesda Church for being a support for uh, Mission Fest Man Manitoba. And uh, I do want to mention a couple of things. Um, Mission Fest, Tom Castor has been the, uh, the, um, the executive director for Mission Fest. He is stepping down as of the uh, end of Mission Fest, as the end of February uh, this year, uh, because he, he lives in the States. And uh, it's just, the travel is just too much for him. And he really feels that uh, it's best to have someone here, local, as the executive director. And we are looking, perhaps for an executive director, perhaps as a team, the exact form of the, uh, the team is going, what it's going to look like, not sure right now. But please be praying for us in this next step. And if anybody knows of someone who's interested in being on the team, or perhaps even the executive director, please talk with me. Um, so uh, we're looking forward to Mission Fest this year. George Verwer, not from OMF, he's from OM. Uh, he'll, be, uh, he'll be one of our speakers this year. And then, um, oops, okay, right. Then... Um, I'm also on the, uh, the local coordinator for perspectives. Coordinate, uh, and how many of you have taken perspectives? One, two, all right, a couple, yes, great. We are looking at two courses coming up. One will be a virtual course starting February 7th. And uh, so uh, that's, I'm, I'm on the team for that. Uh, that is nationwide, so there'll be people from all over Canada uh, taking that. We have had people from the States take our, our course as well. And uh, we'll have a local course uh, as well, hopefully starting in March. Details of that are forthcoming. If you're interested, again, talk with me or with Brenda. All right. Uh, as, as Mark mentioned, we were in Thailand for about 20 years, and... Um, we were in Ayutthaya province uh, for the last 10 years of that. Why? Because it was basically an unreached province. There were about 750,000 people there, about the same as Winnipeg, right? 750,000? Number of Christians in that, uh, in that uh, province was about 300 when we first arrived in 2007. Okay, it has grown since then, praise God. Uh, but, um, you know, six or, five or six small churches and one or two larger churches spread around. There were, of the 16 districts, 12 had no church at all. 12 had no church at all. And so um, that's why we went to Ayutthaya province. Few people ever had the, the chance to hear the gospel. And um, one day I remember talking with some students, not this particular group of students, but uh, was talking with some students, and one of them asked me, why did you come to Thailand? 
And I said, well, I've come to tell people the good news of Jesus. And she responded, what good news? What good news? She'd never heard it before. None of them had ever heard it before. And so I had the chance to share about God's grace, his love, his majesty in Thailand. That's very important. And uh, just, uh, it, was, it was really quite the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with them, hearing that for the very first time. And that was not uncommon. It was so common to come across people who had never really, they'd heard the name of Jesus. It's, it's taught in their schools, but it's taught as a religion. You know, a religion. You follow these rules, you do good enough, and then you can go to heaven or whatever that is in their understanding. Tell me, is religion good news? That's the question I asked these students. Is religion good news? And they said, no. <laughs> no. It's his grace. It's the wonder of who Jesus is and how he has brought us up and, and the vision of what he is going to do in terms of the, uh, you know, the, uh, this world. Um, so we've been here since 2017 and want to get back to Thailand. Right now it doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon except for short term. Uh, next summer, Brendan and I are planning on being back in Thailand for a couple of months. I'll be leading a, a team of students from Briarcrest University. Uh, Briarcrest University, Briarcrest College. What am I talking about? Briarcrest College. Uh, and I'm actually on my way this afternoon to uh, Karen Port to go visit uh, the students. So we'll have three students going to Thailand next summer. And uh, anyway, if you want to know more about us, talk with us afterwards. Uh, we do have our prayer cards back there. Um, yeah, we'd love to talk with you more. Today's story from Second Kings is a great story. Now, I'm guessing that most people here probably know the background of that story. There may be some who don't know the background. So I'm going to just give a little bit of background. Um, the kingdom of Israel uh, under King Rehoboam after King Solomon split into two kingdoms. So they had the, um, let's see, make sure I'm on the, that's, yeah, divided kingdoms, split into two kingdoms. So you had the northern kingdom, uh, with the capital in Samaria and the southern kingdom, uh, Judah, with the, uh, with the capital in Jerusalem. And uh, northern kingdom um, had just a string of bad kings. They were all falling into idolatry and leading the people into idolatry. Southern kingdom had a mix, some good kings, some not so good. And uh, a lot of idolatry there. Result was that other countries would come in and oppress the, uh, the people, the, uh, the, the country of Israel, the people of Israel. And uh, so that's what's happening here. Under King Joram, who was the son of Queen Jezebel, you've probably heard of Jezebel. She is not a nice person. She really led the uh, people of Israel far astray from God. And uh, Joram was no better. And, uh, and as a result, God was punishing sent Ben-Hadad, uh, who is the king of Aram, present-day Syria, to oppress the uh, 
the uh, people of Samaria, and as a result, there was a siege. Nobody goes in, nobody goes out, and it got so bad, there was famine in the city, and they were so bad, so hungry, they were now, they were actually eating their children. Cannibalism had broken out. That's how bad the famine was there. Hopelessness, desperation. However, Elisha, the man of God, the prophet, had said, God's making a promise to you. Tomorrow at this time, you know, the famine, the, the siege will be broken. You will uh, have food. And of course, that's greeted with applause and wonder and, and oh, this isn't it wonderful? No. It's greeted with skepticism. Yeah, even though God's grace, he's pouring out his grace and saying, you know, even though there's no repentance, there's nothing, there's no reason that God should give them any uh, reprieve from this siege, he's going to do it anyway. What an amazing turn of fortunes there that we read about. From being surrounded by an enemy, uh, from an enemy army to an abandoned camp, from famine and economic collapse to abundance, genuine abundance. Now, there are many reversals of fortune in the Bible, right? Joseph going from jail to, uh, to being the second in command over Egypt, many others, but there's few that are as amazing as this. This is the stuff of legends, the stuff of grandfather's stories. Grandpa, tell me about that time when, uh, when the Aramean camp was surrounding Jerusalem and you had the siege and you couldn't, you know, had no food, you know, and then God broke through. That's, that's the kind of story this was. But let me ask you a question. Which do you see as more amazing? This deliverance here? Or your own deliverance from sin and death? Your own deliverance from shame, from brokenness, from slavery to sin and death? Which is more amazing? Do we, I know we all know the right answer, right? You know, if I, I ask you, you, know, you say, oh yeah, of course my own. But really, really, which do we think of it? We know the right answer, but do we think of it as amazing grace? Or do we think of it as, yeah, that's kind of nice grace. Um, I think of the parable of Jesus when he's talking about the two, uh, the two debtors. You know, one owed 50 denarii, one uh, owed 500, you know, two months salary versus two years salary, okay? Jesus says the, the lender forgave them both. Which loved him more? Oh, the one who he received more forgiveness. The, and Jesus said, well, that's why this woman who has been forgiven much uh, loves me so much. But, you know, sometimes too often I, and I'll just confess, sometimes I just slip into the, the thinking of forgiven little. Now I grew up in a Christian family, or at least a church-going family. I didn't go into the drugs and all that, but you know what? God's forgiveness for me 
for each one of us is just so amazing because what he did was not just a repair job. I was dead in my sins. We were all dead in our sins. Uh, Ephesians 5, let's see. Oh, I've missed a few slides here. Which one will live in more? Ephesians 2. Let me read just five verses from this here. And you were dead in your sins, in the trespasses and sins in which you, were, you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. My point is this. It seems that many in the North American church have, have lost that fervor for declaring the good news of Jesus Christ because we've lost sight of just how amazing this good news is. Rather than seeing this good news as bringing wholeness out of, out, out of brokenness, uh, and uh, rather than seeing our condition as absolute lost and hopeless in bondage to sin and death, we delude ourselves into thinking, that wasn't so bad. Yeah, yeah God, God chose me, and that's nice. But when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's talking about those who are destitute in spirit. That's the, that's the Greek word there. Those who are destitute, who have absolutely nothing, like those lepers, right? He, he's, um, spiritually speaking, so... You know, imagine a couple of weeks after this whole episode with the uh, the Arameans and someone is saying, some guys hanging around saying, well, it was a bit rough there for a while, but not that bad, really. Yeah, that's what we're like when we forget. If we remember how destructive and repugnant sin is and that the only way to save us was for Christ to die on the cross, we won't underestimate the significance of all Christ did for us. Now, I'll just go through this quickly. The, the salvation of the city of Samaria was entirely by grace. Entirely by grace. There was no hint of repentance, skepticism. Even the king who had received this promise thought the Arameans were trying to trick the citizens of Samaria into coming out. Verse 12. I'm not going to belabor this point, except to stress that God owes us nothing. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Instead, we owe God everything. So think about it. What do we have that God didn't give us? And yet God, in his mercy, continues to pour out his riches upon us. Now you have to love that the hero of these story, the heroes of this story are four lepers. I mean, really, total outcast in society, probably not treated very well by the general population, lowest of the low. And if the situation in the city was desperate, 
you know, they had nothing to lose. They were, you know, the poor in spirit, not just poor in spirit, they were poor. They were destitute. There was famine in the city, so no one was going to share anything with them, so they're dying of hunger, right? So they decide, let's go on this suicide mission. You know, we have nothing to lose, right? We go out there, they kill us, well, we die, just the same as if we stay here. Matter of fact, it gets it over quicker. So they go to the Aramean camp, and there's no one there. And they go tent to tent. They've got food, they've got wine, they, got, they find some gold and some, some fine clothing. They hide it, and they put it you know, where, where they can come back and uh, retrieve it later. And then it hits them. Then it hits them. Here they are enjoying their great salvation while everyone in the city is starving to death. They have the key to life and they're withholding it from others who are dying. And they look at each other and say, you know, what we're doing is not right. What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, but we're keeping it to ourselves. If we don't go and tell others, it's not going to look pretty for us. All right? We will deserve any punishment we get. Now, they could have had all kinds of excuses. We found it. You know, they've never treated us all that well anyway. They're not nice to us. They maybe they even deluded themselves into thinking, yeah, they don't, maybe don't have it so bad. You know, we were lepers, and so that's why we were starving. Maybe it was okay for them. Um, but no, that's not what they did. They said, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it. June 25th, 1865, Hudson Taylor attended a worship service at Brighton, England. This is after he'd been in China for a while, come back. Hundreds of people rejoicing in their salvation, while all that Taylor could think about were millions of Chinese marching to a Christless eternity without ever hearing the good news of Jesus even once. Those around him in that worship service that day didn't realize that that treasure they had in Christ was meant to be shared with those who had never heard the gospel. Taylor left, went for a walk on the beach, trying to come to terms with what he sensed God was calling him to, to start a new mission to send workers to the inland reaches of China, where no missionaries had ever gone. Concerned that he would be sending people to their deaths, but finally... God convicted him that the well-being of those workers was his responsibility, was God's responsibility, not Taylor's. In one of the prayer of faith he jotted in his Bible, prayed for 24 willing, skillful workers, willing, willing skillful laborers. He then opened a bank account with the $10, uh, 10 pounds that he had in his pocket in the name of the China Inland Mission, which is now OMF International. Today, there are still entire people groups that have never heard the gospel. Entire people groups. Or there are language barriers, cultural barriers, social barriers to sharing the gospel. Nobody in their people group knows this. Or very few, so few that, that there just aren't the resources, the people there to tell that good news to everybody. 
do we have this response? Do we have responsibility? Don't we? Let me ask this. Do we have the greatest news in the world? Do we have the greatest news in the world? Do we have something that everybody needs? If so, then we have a responsibility. And, God, and Jesus has told us, go and make disciples of all peoples. 7,000 people groups in the world are considered unreached. Now we say, well, we could go to all of them coming here. And that's great, and we should, as Brenda's told us about. But did you know that of those 7,000 people groups around the world that where there are not enough people to tell them about Christ, only about 350 of those, about 5%, are mobile, are, are actually coming to the West. That leaves 95% of those groups not able to hear the gospel unless someone goes to them. Now, I'm thankful for Bethesda Church and how, how uh, involved you are in supporting missionaries. I love coming in here looking at your wall of uh, missionaries that you pray for, that you support. That's wonderful. But the big question is, what's your next step? Where to from here? You're doing good. What's God calling to you, uh, you to for the next step? Now, not everybody can go. But we can. Some can go. I've got these three students coming uh, with us next uh, summer to Thailand for short term, hopefully long term, eventually. But you know what? North American church is sending fewer and fewer missionaries these days. Thankfully, our brothers and sisters from Nigeria, from Brazil, from Philippines, from Korea, from around the world, they are sending a lot of missionaries from China. But we need to be part, we, we, the job's not finished for us. So we, some of us can go. Maybe we'll go as teachers. Maybe we'll go as performing arts. Uh, we have a, a missionary in Cambodia who's teaching violin as sort of her uh, position in uh, a university there. Uh, there are business people. Uh, the first mission, Moravian missionaries, John Dober and David Nitschmann, uh, went as a car carpenter and a potter because they couldn't go in any other way to uh, the, the, this uh, Caribbean, uh, I think it was St. Thomas in, uh, in the Caribbean. So basically the question is, what's that in your hand? And what, what God asked Moses, what's that in your hand? All right, uh, prayer. You could go be involved in prayer. Is there a missions prayer group here? Maybe think about it. There is an OMF prayer group. I'd like to invite anybody who's interested to join us at the OMF prayer group, uh, third Friday of every month. Um, Welcoming. As Brenda's already talked a lot about that here. Sending. You're already involved in sending. But there's more than just finance involved in sending. Sometimes being a homeschool teacher. Um, someone, uh, inter, uh, IT, information technology. We need people like, who, who are experts in uh, tech. 
administration, mission home. Brenda's parents went to uh, Thailand to run a mission home, uh, you know, after they retired. And, and dad, Brenda's dad said those were the four best years of his life. You can also mobilize. You can be part of perspectives. You can be part of Mission Fest. If you want to volunteer for Mission Fest, talk with me. Again, we'll, we'll get you connected up. Um, or just tell our friends. I know this church is really strong on missions, but there's a lot of churches in Winnipeg that aren't. Okay? Tell your friends about what God is doing around the world and the need for us to be part of what God is doing around the world. This is a day of good news, and we are blessed to be a blessing. Is this, this is the best news in the world, isn't it? It's the best world news in the world, and the world is dying to hear this. Maybe they don't look like they're really interested, but yesterday I was talking with a, a couple that I'm, um, studying the Bible with, and when I talked about God's promise to make all things new, to turn this world that is enduring suffering and, and fallenness and brokenness and to take it and to, to make all things new, including us, they said, that's what we want to hear about. That's why, that's why we're interested in this. It's good news. And one day, people from every tribe and tongue and nation will be at the throne declaring salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And God invites us to have a part in bringing that to, the, to pass. What will you do? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this good news, this good news of Jesus, that he has come, he has saved us from death to life, that he has brought us freedom from sin and death, and that, Lord, you have this promise that you are going to make all things new. You're going to make it all right. All the sin and injustice and the brokenness of this world, you will turn it around. That's your promise. So we praise you and we thank you for that. And thank you that you give us this opportunity to be part of what you are doing around the world. Lord, give us the hearts to, to, to declare this day of good news to the nations and to the, our neighbors, to those who have come from the nations who are here with us, and to those who, who just don't understand. Oh, Lord. We, we give you praise, ask Father for you to lead each person here as they seek you to obey your voice and to be blessed beyond what they can imagine as they, they step out in obedience to your call. Thank you, Father. To you belong all glory and power and wisdom and praise and worship. Amen.